0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. I, I may be dating myself, but when Kyle said, can we just scoot and make more room for people, it kind of brought back memories of the old sanctuary. Anybody remember those times? Yeah. So, um... When I started, I think we had four services on Sundays there in the small church and then one on Saturday and then they added another service uh, before they moved into the new building and uh, I see that happening here, amen? Yeah, so um, my name is Pastor Jay, for those of you who don't know me, I hope I get to know you throughout the uh, weeks to come, Um, but let's get into the Word of God, shall we? If you have your Bibles with you, let's open up to Mark. So as a church, Goodwill is going through the life of Joseph and uh, Beacon, we're not doing that here. But um, the sermons are great, they're posted online, so I encourage you to go to goodwillchurch.org and listen to the sermons. And uh, the good thing about Goodwill Church is you can listen to multiple pastors preaching through the same text. So sometimes you get something different from each pastor. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Uh, during your spare time. So I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 1-13. to If you're able to stand, let's all stand and read God's Word together. Hear the Word of God. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness, 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for these words. Holy Spirit, would you do your work in our midst, open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts, help us to hear from you, oh God. Thank you, in your name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated. So. so I love it when we get to do a baptism in the church, because it's one of the two sacraments that we do as a church, but... It also falls on the first Sunday of the month, and it really doesn't matter in Beacon because I've been told we do um, communion every Sunday, and we get to do communion today as well. So it is a jam-packed worship service, and we get to see both sacraments. We get to be part of both sacraments. Let's see if I'm doing this right. Okay. So, sorry I didn't have a picture of you. I would have had Matthew's picture up there. Matthew's way cuter. Um, but we got to do a baptism here. We got to witness a baptism here. And it's just a reminder of the work that God does in our lives. It's a sign and seal of the covenant, as Pastor Marcos said. Um, and it is an infant baptism, which is a little different than the baptism we're going to be seeing today. Today, we're going to be looking at the baptism of Jesus Christ. Now, when... Um, Jesus was baptized it took place in the Jordan River and we're gonna look through this but there's a gentleman named John the Baptist who baptizes Jesus and that's just a weird title isn't it John the Baptist right and it's a, it sounds weird to us and it sounds weird to the original audience as well because they didn't really have somebody walking around saying I'm gonna be baptizing people so John just appears out of nowhere and he's baptizing people, and all sorts of people are coming to him. And because he was doing all kinds of things that people haven't heard before, and he's baptizing, um, people looked at him, and the first question they had was, who is this guy? Right. So if you read in John's account, people uh, from the temple sent guys out and say, go find out who this guy is. Who is this guy where people are just coming by drones to be baptized by him. And so they're asking him, who are you? Now that's a question that I want us to think about today. Who are you? I always have a hard time with that question. When people ask me, who are you? I really don't know how to answer that. Are they asking me this question because I'm an Asian guy? And do they really want to know who I am or do they want to know what I do for a living? A lot of times, when you meet somebody new, what do you ask them? Like, w- w- when you want to find out about somebody, you ask them, hey, what do you do for a living? Right? Or when you find out someone new is coming. So like, I know some of you, I don't know all of you, but usually when that happens to me, I go on the internet and I do a Google search right? And I type in Jay Lee, New York. So fortunately, Jay Lee is a very uncommon name, so you won't find too many hits. <laughs> but then you go into LinkedIn, or if you know, oh, I know it's, it's a friend of my friend, so you go on Facebook, you go on social media, and you just try to gather, you scrape the internet to find out everything about this person. And I know standing here before you, some of you don't know me, right? And uh, if you want to know a little bit more about me, you can go on our website. And uh, there's a small bio about me. Mackenzie said it was a little bit too long, so she shortened it for me. Um, But there it is. There's a bio. So so we, we try to find out about people because we want to get to know the person. Or sometimes, we really don't know the motive of this person, so we want to see if we can trust the person or not. Uh, Does this person want something from me? What is this all about? So, who are you is a question that we need to ask ourselves, but we also need to answer that as well. And when I'm asked that question, I, I, I told you, I don't know. Sometimes I just say, I'm a Korean American because right? that's kind of what defines me. I'm a Korean-American. Uh, sometimes I say I'm a, I'm a program administrator because that's what I do outside of the church. Right? So I'm in technology, and I can talk about that. Very rarely do I say I'm a pastor because that's a conversation stopper. Right? The minute you say you're a pastor, they are like, oh, that's great. Have a nice day. Right? And uh, during COVID, I actually um, had to get a job. So I worked at uh, the Apple store. And it's funny because at the Apple store, no one knew me as a pastor. Right? So they knew me as this guy named Jay who really loves Apple products. And I killed it at the Apple store. So as a part-timer, I was the number one salesperson. And they were trying <laughs> to figure out a way to get me promoted. And I was like, oh, this is great. But then after they knew me as Jay, the salesperson, Jay who's really good at selling AppleCare. Um then they found out I'm a pastor. And it's interesting because once they got to know me Jay first being a pastor really didn't matter. Actually it actually opened doors for me to have conversations with them. Right? But when I first started at the Apple store if I said, "Oh, I'm a pastor," immediately what happens is the boxing gloves come on and they want to just debate with me. Because they have this perception of what a pastor is. They have a perception of what Christians and how Christians are. And so I learned a lot through that. And actually because they got to know me first and then they found out I was a pastor, we actually I've actually had many conversations with non-believers at the Apple store. The other interesting thing is out of the woodwork, all these people from the Apple Store came out and goes, "Oh, I go to church too. I'm a Christian too." So all these closet Christians started coming out, and uh, maybe because they knew I was a pastor, they were more comfortable talking about going to church on Sundays, which is really cool. Um, so who are you? How you answer that question, how you live your life, is a different is another way of how you express yourself. So sometimes you don't even have to say you're a believer but just the way you live, people will know, right? And Or you could say one thing, but if the way you live doesn't match how you live, then that's a no-no as well, right? So part of what it means to be a believer is that we need to be congruent, not just, not, we have to be a follower of God, not just on Sundays, but how do you live your life between Sundays? So we're going to dig in... The book of Mark, uh, the first chapter, the first part of it. And we're going to see an encounter of uh, John the Baptist, and then we're going to see the baptism of Jesus Christ. And then through that, we're going to see how we should answer the question Who are you? So, the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest gospel out of the four Gospels. Starts this way, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark is in a hurry to talk to people about Jesus. And so he starts starts by saying, this is the beginning of the gospel. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus. But he adds Christ to that. Now, when we hear Jesus Christ, it's synonymous, right? Jesus Christ, because we hear that all the time. But during the time when Mark wrote this, Jesus Messiah meant a completely different thing. So from verse 1, he just, he's just saying, Jesus is a Christ. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And not only does he talk about Jesus Christ, he also says that he is the Son of God. It, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? So Mark is talking about Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the Savior. He is the Son of God. If you know this, you can go out and share the good news with your friends. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need to be ordained. You don't need to take all these evangelism classes, although they're helpful. But our job as believers is to share who Jesus is in our lives. And we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Right? It can't come from book knowledge. And I see a lot of people fail at sharing who Jesus is because they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They have a ton of book knowledge. They've read all the books. And they could talk about what's written in the book. But they can't have that genuine heart connection because they don't know God that way. And today... When you leave this place, my prayer is that you leave this place knowing that not only is God relatable, but you could have intimacy with our God. And just like our relationship is not going to grow overnight, right? Tomorrow, you're not going to know everything about me, and I'm not going to know everything about you. But if you give it time and you invest time in the relationship, then you're going to get to know the person better. Likewise, we need to invest time in our relationship with Jesus. Amen. So don't try to just cram it all in there and and say, "Okay, I know everything about Jesus." No, it's a it's a lifelong process. Even today, I'm learning more and more about who our God is. Mark goes straight into the Old Testament. He's setting up, he wants to introduce a gentleman named John the Baptist. And he knows that he needs to go to Scripture for that. So not too many times in the book of Mark does he quote Scripture, but here is one place where he does. And he says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So he's quoting actually from two places in the Old Testament. It's not just Isaiah, but he's combining Isaiah and Malachi together to get the message across. And what is the message? Well, in the Old Testament, it said before the Lord, before Yahweh would come, he would send a messenger. A messenger who is going gonna to cry out, that the Lord is coming. Okay. So that's what was written in Scripture. That's a prophecy. And it takes place in the wilderness. Okay, So I want you to just take note of that because I'm going to be talking about the wilderness a little later. But he's saying, I'm going to send my messenger before you. So someone is going to come, and he's going to cry out, get ready, because the Lord is coming. In antiquity, when kings would come, they would make a new road for the king. And that's pretty much the role of this messenger. say, like, hey, the king is coming, you got you to gotta get ready. The king is coming, you need to get ready. So prepare the way. And so what? how do you prepare for the Messiah coming? How do you prepare for Yahweh coming? Well, we have to cleanse ourselves. When you, when you were meeting God, you would, you would clean yourself. When you go to the temple, you would have to clean yourself. Baptizing means to clean. So now, Mark introduces this guy named John, right after talking about what was written in Scripture. John appeared, and he was baptizing in the wilderness, just like it was written In the Old Testament, he was in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, all right? So he was was saying, hey, the Lord is coming. You need to be ready. How do you get ready? You get ready by repenting, asking for forgiveness of sins. You got to cleanse yourself inside. And the outward sign of that is cleaning yourself outside. I mean, it's the baptism, washing, Right? So wash yourself, cleanse yourself, because the Lord is coming. And it says here, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him. So what he was saying made an impact. Because the wilderness is exactly what it is. It's, it's like the desert. There's no life in the wilderness. right? So imagine today, If you have a message from God, and you want to go out and you want to proclaim that message, where would you go? I'll tell you where I would go. I would go New York City. I would go where there's a lot of people, so that people could hear me say what I have to say, and then they could share the good news with everybody else, right? So you want to go where there's a ton of people, where it's easy to gather people. You know, if you could rent out a stadium, I would rent out a stadium and say, hey, God is coming, right? That's what I would do. But, but God has a different way of doing things. So instead of him going into the city and telling everybody about it, he's out in the wilderness where nobody wants to go. The desert is dry. The desert is hot. You know, you're always thirsty. There's an Israel trip coming up. If you want to go, I want to encourage you to go there. But what you're going to see is There's nothing out there in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, you have to keep drinking water just to stay alive. But he's out in the wilderness. And people are coming. People are hearing the good news of Jesus. I mean, not not the good news of Jesus. People are hearing what John the Baptist has to say, and they're just coming. And they're hearing the news because Israel was itching to hear from God. They haven't heard from God for 400 years. And now here's John, the Baptist, speaking with authority, and so people are coming out and hearing him. Mark describes John as a man who's dressed in camel's hair and wore leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Okay, so locusts and wild honey, That's what they ate in the desert. There's nothing special about it. Um, I remember one time at Goodwill Church when Pastor John was preaching this text, he actually bought crickets. Anybody there? He actually had crickets, and he had people come up and eat the crickets, right, as a sermon illustration. So everyone remembered that sermon, right? I don't know if they remembered the gospel, but they remembered eating crickets, (laughs) But they ate locusts and wild honey. So, so that's just basically what the desert folks would wear, I mean, would eat. And then he wore a camel's hair and leather belt. That's what the religious folks would wear in the desert. So John the Baptist was an Essene. And so that's who he was. Okay. And now he's saying this. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he's just basically saying, I'm just, I'm just preparing you for the real thing. I am not the real thing, right? But the real thing is coming. He's like a, he's like a trailer for a movie, right? But the movie is coming. I'm just sprinkling water over here, but he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So everything about John the Baptist is him pointing to Jesus Christ, right? He is pointing people to Jesus. And that's what you and I need to do, folks. We need to point people to Jesus, so how do we do that? Well, first we have to know who Jesus is, right? So our relationship, we need to have that personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, I urge you to read through the scriptures. He is real. Don't point people to Jesus if you don't know him. But, but get to know Jesus. Read the Bible. I know a lot of people who had disappointments in the church. I know a lot of people who've had a bad experience with one believer, so they're basically discounting Jesus because they had that one bad relationship. No, that's not who God is. Our God is love. We're going to see that. He loved so much that he sent his only son so that you and I could have that relationship with God. That's who God is. That was the God of John the Baptist and that's the God that we believe. And so he's pointing people to Jesus Christ and lo and behold, Jesus shows up. It says in those days. So Mark's in a hurry to get the story going. So in those days... Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. There's a lot that has happened, but Mark has a tendency to, like, shrink everything into one verse. I really like him, you know. I think if he was around today, he'd be like a programmer because they're not into explaining things. They just say, here, here's the answer, right? Um But he just says, okay, so Jesus came from Nazareth, which is, no one comes from Nazareth. Who? Jesus? Nazareth? But he comes from Nazareth, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan, the Jordan River. Now, if you look at the account in the other Gospels, you'll see that John and Jesus, they have a little conversation. So when Jesus shows up, John's like, yo, bro, what are you doing here? You should be baptizing me. Right? So they have this conversation, and he said, no, let it be. Let it be. And so so they have this conversation, but he said, no, this has to happen. You have to baptize me. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And now, Mark describes it this way. And so when Jesus came out of the water, so unlike the baptism that we witness today, this was full immersion. He was in the Jordan River. He went all the way in the water. And then when he came out out of the water, it says immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. Have anyone witnessed the sky opening up like that? Being torn open. I never have. But I wonder what that was like. It was torn open. And then it says, And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Right? Like a dove, not a dove. Okay? So here we are. Jesus comes out, out of the water. The sky is ripped open. And then the Holy Spirit comes down. I imagine Gently. And descends on Jesus like a dove. And a voice from heaven. Pay attention to what the voice says. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Now this is what took place at the baptism of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, the son of God, was there. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven and God the Father spoke. So the Trinity is present and God speaks. How many times does God speak in the New Testament? Not too many. So whenever God speaks, we need to pay attention, amen? Okay? So this is one place where he speaks and is with you those words what's true to jesus christ is true to all who believe in Jesus Christ. That's who our God is. So if you are a believer, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, these words are for you. You are my child, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. If this sinks in you, if you truly grasp the love of God your identity in him, then it doesn't matter what happens to you here on earth. Your whole world could fall apart, but you can remain calm if you know God's love for you. That's the power of God's love. Love is not something that God made up. In the beginning, it was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They were in community. They loved one another. So their essence is love. That's why God could say God is love. It's that same love that God pours out to his people. So let these words sink in. This is the NIV version, by the way. I just split it up. And if you truly understand God this way, then your intimacy with Christ grows. Your intimacy with God grows. Earlier I talked about needing to build that relationship with God. The foundation of that relationship is based on this love. And when you have this love and you continue to grow in your relationship with Him, then you're going to have intimacy with God, just as Jesus did. If you read through Scripture, if you see the conversation that He has with God, the way He represents God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, there's there's intimacy there. God is not just this faraway being who created us and is watching us from far away. You could have intimacy with God I wonder how many of you feel that type of relationship with God today is he just this great being that you can't look at or are you having an intimate conversation relationship with your God are you going to him with all your problems are you spending time hearing from God or are you just mostly just talking to him? A lot of times when we pray, we don't spend time listening. Right? We're too busy with our laundry list of things that we need God to fix. Right? That's really not what prayer is. Prayer is spending time with him, speaking to him, but also listening. And we live in a world where we don't have, we're so busy, we don't have a lot of time. So even, even prayer is kind of like a drive-by prayer we want to do, right? And we just want to check that off, saying, okay, I prayed today, I'm good. No. He wants an intimate relationship with us. So would you give the time? Would you just spend some time with him? and just listen? Because all the stuff that's happening in my world, it takes a long time for me to just tune everything out where I can just hear from God. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I have to go away for days for that to happen. And if it takes days, I encourage you to do it. Because it matters. Your relationship with God matters. And this happens from our, our union with Christ. right? The first effect of faith according to scriptures is union with Christ. I like that quote from Charles Hodges. So we have union with Christ. We have this intimate relationship with him. Just like at the Apple store, right? But we're too busy. We put on our boxing gloves with God. Right? And and we can't hear what he has to say because we have an opinion. We know what's right. And God, you could just fix everything by doing life this way. But God has his own way. Trust me. God has his own way. And we need to trust God. We need to have that relationship with God. Even when things aren't going our way, We need to trust in God and it's his way. Because when I look back at my life, if everything happened the way I want it to happen, I wouldn't be standing here before you. God knows. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for us here at Goodwill Beacon. And so we need to trust in him. Amen? Amen. Here's what's interesting. So after Jesus has this moment where the Trinity is present, he hears this affirmation from God, right? It says here, then the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Here's that word wilderness again. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. Satan. Isn't that interesting? Jesus hasn't started his earthly ministry yet. He just got baptized. God tells him, hey, I love you. You're my son. I'm pleased with you. So if we had that kind of moment with God, we would expect God to just open all our doors and ministry will be easy because I got the power. I got I got God God's backing on this one. And you know what what happens to Jesus is, it's not that. He starts his ministry by being tempted in the desert for 40 days in the wilderness by Satan. That's how Jesus starts his ministry. It's not supposed to happen that way. If you ever had that thought, I want you to think about this moment with Jesus Christ. Because the enemy of your soul, his number one goal is to knock you down, right? And when you have a moment with God like that, your target just got bigger, right? So don't be surprised when spiritual attack comes your way. Actually, we need to be ready. We need to be grounded in his word and base our relationship with God on what we just talked about. God's love. So, so he drives him out to the wilderness. So, let's talk about the wilderness. So, what's the big deal of wilderness? Well, there's no life, right? And if you're driven out into the wilderness, if you were forced to go into the wilderness, the only way you could survive in the wilderness is by clinging on to God cuz nothing lasts in the wilderness you can have all the money in the world and when you go out into the wilderness your money means nothing your food you could pack all the food you want in the wilderness it, it's going to it's going to go bad water you could have all the water you want you're going to drink it all up your water's going to you're going to run out of water so how do you survive in the wilderness through God's provision so wilderness is a place where everything gets stripped away. And as I'm speaking to you, I know some of you are in the wilderness right now. You feel like, wow, that's ex- you're describing exactly what's happening in my life. Everything that was important to me is being stripped away. Right? If that's you, know this. God is getting your attention. He's saying, hello, I'm here. Come to me. I will give you living water. I am the bread of life. How did the people of Israel survive being in the wilderness for 40 years? Through God. God provided. But wilderness is also the area where all the distractions go away too. So living around here, we don't really have the wilderness, right? But spiritually, we go into the wilderness when we fast and pray. So fasting is a great way to just let go of the things that you think is important and focus on God. So if God is driving you into the wilderness, look to Him. Spend time with Him. Hear from Him. And hear what he has to say. So after this, Jesus begins his earthly ministry. And of course, being the son of God, he was awesome. He was healing people, turning water into wine, all this good stuff. Right? But also, he was preaching, and people were just responding to him. I mean, he was a perfect teacher, amen? Yeah. Yeah. In verse 34 it says, he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he was casting out many demons, right? That was powerful what Jesus was doing. So you would say that if he had a church, his church was growing like crazy because people were flocking to him. And if that were to happen to us, our elders would say probably. I don't want to speak for you guys, but hey, let's build a bigger church. Right? That's what happened in Montgomery, right? We had all these people coming. We got to build build a, a bigger building, right? So now they have a bigger building, more people are coming. That's great. But Jesus had something else in mind. He wasn't there to build a bigger church, right? And he understood that he had a mission So, what kept him grounded? I wonder. His intimate relationship with God kept him grounded. So, even when he was successful in ministry from our point of view, he went into the wilderness, he spent time with God in prayer. Rising very early in the morning, it says, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. He was able to walk away from all the success to spend time with God. In my years of ministry, when I see people who are desperate to hear from God, it's when things aren't going well. I've never met anyone yet where I need to go spend time with God because God is just blessing me so much I don't know what to do with this. Usually it's the other way around, right? When are we desperate? When when just you can't do anything, right? God, you gotta step in here. We fast and pray. When do we fast and pray? When we need God to step in here. But Jesus, he went out into the desolate place when things were going really well. And if you have that intimate relationship with God, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. You're always having this relationship with God. And that's where we want to be. Amen? That's where we want to be. When when he was praying, I mean, the disciples came, you know, and the disciples said, look, the whole village is looking for you. They want to start a church right here. And he goes, this is not why I came. And he walked away. He was able to say that because he knew he was hearing from God. He knew what he had to do. So don't let success get to you. It doesn't last long, trust me. You could have all the money in the world. You can't take it with you. So hear from God. Focus on God. Live for God. Spend time with Him. And if that requires you to go to the wilderness... And go to the wilderness. Our Lord Jesus Christ went to the ultimate wilderness when he died on the cross. When he died on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the same Jesus who heard earlier when he started his ministry You are my son, whom I love. In you, I am well pleased. So he hears that affirmation, and then he experiences total abandonment when he dies on the cross. And you know why he experienced total abandonment? So that you and I can be called sons and daughters of God. So that you and I could hear the words my child whom I love in you I am well pleased it is because of Jesus' saving death on the cross for all who believe in him those words are true to you how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are in Christ Christ And so let's, knowing this, let's invest our time with God. Alistair Begg says, intimacy with God God does not happen by chance. It must be deliberately cultivated. We need to deliberately spend time with God. Let's go to the desert. Let's go to the wilderness. And let's spend time with God. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. Let me just repeat these words one more time. For all who believe, you are my child, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. As a matter of fact, let's all rise. I'm going to pray, and we're going to enter into a time of communion, all of you should have this this communion. I forget what to call these. Kit? Cut? If you don't have it, um, just let somebody know and the ushers will bring it down, the deacons will bring it down. Okay. But as we enter into the time of communion, which is proclaiming our Lord's saving death on the cross... And this communion element is for, this this time is for all believers, all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All who are children of God. All who are loved by God. All who are pleased with Him. Notice those words that the Lord said, that God said to Jesus, took place before He did anything. It wasn't works-based. It was just because of who he was. And our relationship with God is the same way. It has nothing to do with what you're doing or what you're going to do. It's not that. It's just because of who he is and who you are. So let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you For calling us out, out of darkness into light. And we thank you for loving us, Lord God. Jesus, we thank you for humbly obeying your Father. Thank you for coming here on earth and and living the life that we couldn't live, but we should have. And we thank you for dying on the cross, where you took our sin. And through your death and resurrection, that we could be called children of God. We thank you for that. Lord, I ask that you set apart the elements right now for a holy purpose. May the elements be to our faith your body broken, your blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. May we do this in remembrance of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.